Welcome to Sound Off, WKNC's daytime music podcast, where we discuss some of the latest news in the music world, and we dissect one new album. I'm Michael Jones, also known as DJ Ones, and today with me I have... Serenade. Also, real Sarah. name? Sarah. <laughs> Just Sarah. What time are you on, Sarah? Post-rock block, 6 to 8 on Sundays. All right, and I'm Kirsten Southwell, a.k.a. DJ Vice. I'm the designer here at WKNC, and I also DJ Mondays 5 to 7 and started just recently helping out with the Americana show Saturday mornings 10 to 12. All right, well, the album that we are reviewing this week, of course, is Matt Pond, PA's latest release entitled The Dark Leaves. But before we get to that, let's divulge into some of the latest news. Um... One of the first big news articles from the past week that I think stood out to a lot of us was this little piece of information that said Isaac Brock was actually writing new material for a Cartoon Network show. And uh, Kirsten, you actually mentioned that you loved this show. It was called, <laughs> and the show is called The Marvelous Misadventures of Flapjack. And so the, the basic story is uh, it's a special that I believe is airing. Isaac is writing music just specifically for this one special for the show. So what did you guys think of this news article? I'm excited. Um, the show, if you're not familiar with it, is about a good-natured boy raised by a talking whale named Bubby. Oh, okay. I thought it was Bubbles. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't remember. But, no, uh, no, I think you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I, okay, I've seen the show. I'm not, like, hardcore follower. But I, I, I guess when I read that, it totally made sense. Because if you've seen the show ever, uh, if you're an avid cartoon watcher like um, yourself <laughs> I, I love critters what can i say um it's this it's so it's such a bizarre show i would love to see what he puts to it because it's like it's like spongebob meets ren and stimpy so it's kind of like that borderline your eight-year-old kid shouldn't be watching this like i'm sure parents are out there that hate this show totally the first, the first thing that I thought as soon as I saw this news article was that this is really going to polarize Modest Mouse fans, especially those that kind of left them after uh, good news for people who love bad news. That really divided a lot of people. So you're going to have even greater division among the, uh, what was it, the Moon in Antarctica fans and everything before that, and then the good news for people who love bad news fans and everything after that, and this isn't going to help at all. You don't I, think so? No. I think it could reunite no. them. No, there's no way. No way in hell. <laughs> How do you feel that way? Because those fans that listened to uh, you know, Lonesome Crowded West and those albums, they loved the fact that they were so independent at the time, to use a really bad term. And now that he's going off and writing you know, music for cartoons? But it's not SpongeBob. It's like the Crazy Bizarre Kid Show, which kind of fits back with the Crazy Bizarre older album but i don't i don't think the fans are gonna be looking at that so much as the fact that it's just a cartoon and he's writing music for this and man, it's, it's just getting more and more contrasting for the fans that really love the older stuff and those that really love the new stuff and this is not helping at all i, I mean i could see like the point in that like they could be you know upset at them didn't i don't know i I, maybe it's because I've seen the show and I like the show and I kind of appreciate like the more mature themes in it, like the really obscure artwork. And I actually wrote down um, one of the plots from an episode. I can read it to you later if you're okay. sure. All right. <laughs> um, but I don't, I don't see why someone would get that upset about 
I mean, I don't know. I'm not that hardcore of a Modest Mouse fan where I'd be partial to them writing for a cartoon. But if if I was a musician and someone asked me, I mean, I think that'd be a really unique opportunity. Yeah, I don't see it as them like selling out. And it's you don't see that? I don't see it. I mean, this isn't Rugrats, Michael. This is it's, not. But a... still, it's a Cartoon Network show, and Modest Mouse was known for their, you know, super kind of, kind of. Seattle rock back in the day, but now they're writing children's music. It doesn't make any sense to me. Children's it really is in quotations in this case. Okay, all right. Well, but... I, full disclosure: not seen the show, but regardless, it's still on Cartoon Network, so I have to take it with a grain of salt. Question. I'm a Modest Mouse fan. Okay, go ahead. I am too. I'm but... too big fan. <laughs> well, okay. If Modest Mouse wrote a song for South Park, is that also unacceptable? Yes. Okay. Then yes. I see your point as far as mainstream media all around. I, th- I think it's really enforcing or re- reinforcing ideas in those fans that have kind of left them since the 2000s that they jumped the shark a bit. Or at least this, at least when this news article came out, the first thing I thought was, man, people are really going to go forward saying, oh, these guys have really jumped the shark now. Or this is going to reinforce that idea that they already have. I mean, when Isaac brought, when the lead singer is going off and writing material for, for kids' shows. But I it's mean, just the lead singer. But still, he. who do you think of when you think of Modest Mouse? I mean, Isaac Rock. But... Of course, <laughs> of course, because he's the front man. He's, I mean, he's the distinctive vocalist with that awesome lisp, so that's what really <laughs> made Modest Mouse. He's been there since the very beginning. And is it a song with his voice in it, or is it instrumental? I don't know, but I don't really think that matters in this case because mm-hmm. he's still contributing in some way to this... <laughs> Why? Why is that so bad? I mean, it's not okay. It's one thing if, I'm if not, it's not saying it's necessarily it's bad. The, if it's true to what Modest Mouse sounds like. Like, what if it's the same stuff and better? And it's like, oh man, that's so awesome that they could relate that to a different audience. Like, do you think as a musician, you're saying like, I want to be a musician and I only want to write for these people and only these people are going to like my music? Like, think about it from a perspective of I can still write awesome music. And, you know, even if it's for children to enjoy, I mean, these children probably aren't going to put it on a soundtrack and listen to it. Like, that's pretty, pretty cool. I, I don't know. I don't I don't see what's to be so. Yeah, I, I understand the argument that this could bring a lot of potential Modest Mouse fans, especially at a young age. Although, man, it would be a weird time to be a Modest Mouse <laughs> fan. If you were a kid and listened to Modest Mouse, like. Well, I'm just trying to think of like an example of that. Would upset like if Avid Brothers maybe because you know how they're everyone's kind of worried that they might sell out, you know, with their some new people already deal. have said that. I, I mean, know. but this is one of those that's one of those debates that goes on forever and ever. But right. I'm just I, what I was really posing was that the people who really already believe that Modest Mouse has jumped the shark, this is going to just make them more upset. Okay, I mean, yeah, I could see how this could push them over, but I tell you personally, I would love to see this. I see it as more like he's having fun with it versus he's trying to promote himself through it. I mean, do you let your fans dictate your career? I mean... I let my WKNC fans dictate my career. Whenever they call in a request, I play it. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Are you getting paid to do that? No. It's out of pure joy. Damn straight. But what I really, when I saw this, uh, one of the things I also thought was, I want new Modest Mouse material. I don't care about Cartoon Network shows. I want more. I don't want another EP. I want a full length because 
their last. We all do. Yeah. Where is it? No, he's all busy writing writing Cartoon Network show special cartoons. I mean, ah, it's just frustrating. I, okay. Some of it is a bit frustrating because uh, it's been uh, a while since their last since their last full length came out, and and the live CD doesn't count. That was, that was a disappointment. I thought it was going to be new material, and then I found out I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just a bit frustrating. That's all I was saying at the end of the day. You let that steam out, Michael? Just a little bit. You can have enough. Just, 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 just a little bit. Just a little bit. All right, let's move on to the next topic. Um, this one we'll, we'll touch on briefly because it's been getting a lot of news um, in a lot of different circuits, but I don't know how familiar it necessarily has been with everybody else. And uh, this is the Libertines. Pete Doherty's band, if you if you the the drugged out Pete Doherty, the always drugged out <laughs> Pete Doherty, are set to reunite playing their first gig since 2004 at Reading and Leeds festivals in the UK this summer. Um, pretty much it's it's been a long time since they've actually released new material. Um, of course I just said 2004 last time that they have uh, toured together, played gigs together. Um, and since then Pete Doherty's been arrested about a bajillion times on drug charges. <laughs> This one was pretty. I, I looked up the most recent one, and that sounded pretty intense. I didn't. I didn't know about all this. There's a lot of ones that I think are pretty funny, like world's dumbest criminals kind of thing. Uh-huh. Um, one of them was he was in court for like a speeding charge or something, and uh, he dropped some heroin in front of the judge. <laughs> he's done some uh, Pete Doherty <laughs> for all the musical credit that he gets. He's done some just ridiculous. Ridiculously stupid things. His lawyer's trying to get him out of it by saying that he didn't pick out his own jacket, and it's it fell out of the jacket, but ah, it wasn't his fault. Oh, okay. Hmm. But all right, <laughs> in spite, a in spite the bajillion charges against Pete Doherty that he currently has, what do you think this is going to do to the band? Do you think that his his really terrible uh, police record is going to make a big impact on how fans of the Libertines receive him? I think we can see that I don't know that just reminds me of Tiger Woods re-entering the Masters like that's the only parallel I can think of as far as but this is this is libertines you know this is sex drugs and rock and roll this isn't Tiger Woods who's just sex and golf that doesn't really draw too much of a comparison (laughs) do you know about the one where he uh, he he was suspicious of or they suspected him of supplying drugs to a girl that overdosed and died and that girl ended up she was. She had just made a documentary about the Libertines called "The Road to Albion," and that I thought that was really serious. I mean, that's just not some petty drug charge. That's there's there's a line for sure where the sex, drugs, and rock and roll is cool, and when it's like pushing it like that. Oh, but but Doherty's been pushing it for so long. <laughs> and see, this is this is the key that I think this is Doherty's terrible police record at the end of the day, is really going to overshadow how amazing their comeback may, in fact, turn out to be. Because what are people going to think when they think of the Libertines? They think Pete Doherty. And what do they think when they think Pete Doherty? They think Nazi songs. (laughs) Super druggy. He looks like in all those pictures, too. That's pretty funny. I think uh, there's two front men, correct? If I'm not mistaken. I think they were talking about they were kind of worried a little bit about the spotlight being on him. Oh, oh, it's gonna be it's and, gonna be real big. Uh NME is gonna be all over that all over that festival. <laughs> as soon as they go go uh, get off stage, there's gonna be a big 
article about it. I'm pretty sure. And what I think you're going to get is how awesome they were the first show back. Because the hype is really high for them at this point, and the British fans of the Libertines are pretty hardcore fans. So as soon as they get off of those festivals, it's going to be all good press, go, go, go. But I think as time, you know, kind of rolls on, the shadow of uh, Pete Doherty's drug charges and outstanding criminal charges are really going to have an effect on the band. But that's just my wacky prediction. (laughs) I kind of feel like he would be, like, unpredictable on stage. To an extent, he's. I mean, he's done some recent. Like, I think he played with Florence and the Machine not too long ago. Made a quick guest appearance, and uh, it, it seems pretty solid. It was received very well, and I think uh, initially these these shows are going to be well received. But I think as time goes on, it's really going to be an endurance test to see how how long that they last in the spotlight, especially with all this bad press on their main member, really. I mean, do you think that this could turn into a situation where maybe it could show the strength and the talent of the band maybe without him? I mean, if Yeah, definitely. Although I don't think they would play without him because he's such a big such a big factor in their entire well-being in their entire existence. Well, you think about bands that have had to overcome that sort of thing like, I mean, yes, Queen has never been Queen without Freddie Mercury, but I mean, they still do pretty well. I mean that's a totally although you know far fetched example, but you can debate the content of the post Freddie Mercury stuff, and I think if if the Libertines were to go on without Pete Doherty at some point, there would be a lot of backlash about how the quality of the songs have gone down exponentially. I mean, but there's I don't know. I I think it would show strength in a band. Because if if someone's getting this kind of press, I can't imagine what he's like to work with, especially as a front man. Um, I would like to see if a band like that could recover without him. I mean, if they have the talent to do it, if they have another front man. Well, a, a, couple, a, a good example of a band that's attempted this and failed miserably, uh, The Darkness. Do you remember The Darkness? <laughs> oh, yeah. I believe in a thing called Just love. Just tick tock Yeah, yeah, that's that band. The their their lead the singer had uh, terrible drug problems, and he that was the whole reason that they eventually broke up. Was that he was a terrible addict at the time, had to check himself into rehab. But the band went on, got a new front man, and changed their name. And now you probably do not know the name of that band. Who is it? I, if I'm not mistaken, see, I have to double check myself after this. <laughs> I think they're called Stone Gods, hmm. but it's a really bad name. Yeah, it's a bad name. <laughs> but this is a, and they have not done well since since their departure. But this is just one of the examples of a, a band that loses its main member and can't recuperate afterwards. But the darkness was a one-hit wonder. They were. I mean, I'll I'll give and, you that. I'll give you that. They weren't. They didn't that, have a lot of lasting power. You think of his voice, just like two seconds ago, like that one part where his voice gets really high. Like, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. the darkness. That's what everybody remembers. All right, well, I'll, I'll give you that for the time being. But still, I think as soon as the Libertines reunite, was it called Stone Gods? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Kudos points, Kudos DJ points. Ones. Air high five. Air Two high words. Five. Two words, Stone Gods. <laughs> but uh, instead, I think as soon as they start playing again, um, you're going to get new questions about new material because it's, you know, as I mentioned earlier, it's been quite some time since they've released new material. And I think eventually people are going to start demanding new material. And that'll also be interesting to see how that plays out and how well that may or may not be received. Although, again, I think if their tour goes well, 
Uh, they have a lot of potential going into the future. And this is all taking account of Pete Doherty being in good uh, Health. Know, sense. <laughs> good sense. Yeah, if he doesn't kill himself. Well, he doesn't get arrested again. Just last year, like. Which I doubt. He. The I know, part, not the I know doubt. he uh, got a big group of people angry by singing a Nazi song at a concert. So I don't know if that Pete, killed some of the following Pete or not. Doherty, <laughs> Pete, Pete Doherty. Pete, Pete, I, Pete the situation. He, see, that's the problem is he's just such an unexpected, you know, you have no idea what he's going to do as a character. And so it'll be it'll be interesting to see where Yeah, it goes. that worked out for Courtney Love, didn't it? Well, she's <laughs> she's now attempting to make a comeback. and uh, That's another story for another day. Drugs All right. Let's move on to our final story <laughs> of this week. Um, Jack White revealed that XL almost did not release Seven Nation Army as the first single off of their absolutely amazing 2003 release, Elephant. What did you guys take away from this? It said Warner Brothers, or the American label, too. That's what they're currently signed with, but uh, back in the day when they released Elephant, they were on XL. Oh, okay. Um, I think this, a comment I said earlier to you, like, what, what should govern the path of a band? And in this case, to me, it sounds like, do you go against your record label? Like, do they know what's good for you? I don't think that when you're signed with one of these bigger record labels, you really have much of a choice. You know, a traditional way is that once you sign on to the big labels, you're their product and they can control how they market you, how you're perceived by the public and everything. And I think it's kind of empowering that he was confident enough to stand up for his own music and be like, no. This is what I like. This is what's going out, and it worked. What What would you guys think if uh, Seven Nation Army wasn't the first single? Could Could you fathom a world where uh, we're middle school bass guitarists? We're middle school <laughs> bass guitarists. <laughs> Wouldn't have yeah. an anthem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's become such a big song, especially for the band, and it really rebooted, or I guess revolutionized that whole garage rock genre. And I think it, it would be a pretty interesting. Pretty interesting uh, piece to see not be the lead single from that band because Elephant was really their breakthrough album, I would think, at mm-hmm. least when it comes to a more mainstream audience. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that that had to have been on MTV. I was really young, and I knew of it, and I was not cool at all. So, it, you know, who's to say they wouldn't have been successful? But to people who aren't in in the interest of music, that's all that song is to them. You know, so is it better to be a one-hit wonder to the popular culture, or to have a bunch of solid underground music and never really rise that far? Hmm. Good question. <laughs> Good question. <laughs> One of the things that I, I I thought as soon as I saw this was why is he why is he announcing this now? Why why at this moment? And then I was, I was trying to put together some of the pieces of the puzzle. And currently has his own record label. It's called uh, Third Man, if I'm not mistaken, Third Man Records. And this is really kind of a, an attempt to, uh, it's a big F you to the music, to the big players in the music industry, don't you think? To just come out really? with such a piece of such a piece of news that would kind of rattle things up and really fire those up that uh, are so anti-big labels. That's really good publicity on his end, too, because it's like, I know what's best. And I made a song, like, the year it came out, I believe it got a a Grammy Award for the best rock song. And so he's saying, I know best, come to my label, I'll make you the best too. Yeah, I don't think I have much much trouble being successful 
Um, especially with his new stuff either. I mean, he's Jack White. He could do whatever he wants and it'd be golden. Mm-hmm. But I, still, it's just interesting timing. It, you know, That was the first thing that I thought, why, why release this now? It, he could really be reinforcing his own ideas about uh, kind of a more independent record label than anything else with Third Man. I mean, I know he's recruiting and recording a lot of his own stuff there. So, I mean, it's just an interesting, interesting uh, news article. So he's breaking away from XL and Warner, or well, I, he's, he's just... going to be—he's going to be sticking with Warner. I'm pretty sure that Warner Brothers is going to stay because he's releasing stuff with Dead Weather off of them. So, but I, his, his third man records project was really more along the lines of, "Hey, I want to recruit." bands that i really like and kings of leon is also doing something similar to that where they're signing bands that they really like and tour with onto their record label they signed the features a couple of i don't want to say a couple of months ago but it could have been a year ago at this point and i mean this is becoming more of a trend but i think we are kind of progressing into that era where bands become big enough to where they say f you to the record labels radiohead did this a couple of years ago with their release of in rainbows mm-hmm. where they released it online only and you could pay whatever you wanted to for it. That's right. But this is a this is a step in an interesting interesting path. Well, it's also kind of interesting because you have to think, I mean, the record labels obviously have a great number of influence, but you do something as a musician like, you know, I'm going to I know this great artist, he's on my label. I think his work's really great. Let's play a song together. Big artist, new artist, like this artist is obviously endorsing this other artist play a song together, make a hit. I mean, I know that probably sounds really easy. <laughs> but skipped a couple steps there, but we get the we get the You get what picture. I'm saying? Yeah. I think it that seems to be pretty popular in the hip hop community. Definitely. Mm-hmm. That kid from Duke did it and that's how he got his big break. Who's kid from um, Duke? David Not sure. David David hanging. Not sure. <laughs> I'll look it up. <laughs> All right. We'll look it up. We'll, we'll post it on the Twitter later. Tweet it. Tweet it out. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our big album of the week. You guys, again, are listening to WKNC's Daytime Music Podcast. We It's called Sound Off. Uh, this week, we are reviewing Matt Pond, PA's latest release, The Dark Leaves. Now, this is his eighth full-length album. He's releasing it with Altitude Records. First thoughts, Matt Pond, PA's The Dark Leaves. I thought it was really catchy. Like, easy to like, but it wasn't anything special at the same time. Kirsten? Um, I listened to it, like, a few times through, and it was one of those albums that when you get to the end, you're like, oh, oh, that was pleasant. I, I didn't know that that was more than one song, you know, where you just kind of zone out to those albums. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> I agree. I'm going to go, yes, pump fist yes. in the air. It, like, I listened to it three times over, and then... Like today, I had to sit down and write the differences between every song so that I could mentally note, okay, this one kind of sounds like this. Because otherwise, it just kind of blurs together, which can be nice, but it depends on your taste. See, that kind of thing drives me crazy. (laughs) And that's why I think this was just painfully average. Now, full disclosure, never heard of Matt Pond P album before this one. So I'm not familiar with his older stuff, but when I listened to this, I just thought it was painfully average. I mean, there's nothing there's nothing here that has a lasting impact. I listened to the full-length album three times. I don't ever have to listen to it again, and I would be perfectly content with not ever listening to it again. I could agree with that. I mean, I think 
think there were some shining moments in it that uh, I don't know. I felt like his songwriting um, should be praised, and also he had some. I, I felt that first song was had some really nice moments, especially like in the subtle breaks where it would build and then you just have a little beat, like a little poppy breakdown. Yeah. I really you like the songwriting that drove me crazy. I, I like some of his lyrics. Um, in that first line, actually, he says, "There's no argument to." Get me going, horse, misplace my mind, and now I don't have to worry about before. And I like that. You know what, Michael? I <sighs> think I just crazy. figured it out. Sorry. <laughs> I just figured it out. What? We're girls. This is Yes, that's dull. it. This is a total like <laughs> this is a total like romance album. I'm I'm a this is oh, like, I, if I, I wrote had this... a disc changer, I'd put in May with it. And <laughs> it's like, like that kind of death. Uh, not Death Cab. I would say, like, it kind of reminds me of, like, Dashboard Confessional Music Soft Porn. How about that? Like, <laughs> I love Dashboard. Uh, when, I, when I did the official <laughs> review for this, the CD, I said that it it sounded like music that a dude would play at prom night to try to impress his date. What do you, what do you mean you guys impress, are... Michael? Sorry. What do <laughs> I mean? Try to, try to get laid? That's what I mean. This is music that he would play in his car to try to get laid with his prom date. All right. That's exactly what I took away from this. I, the <laughs> lyrics drove me crazy. <laughs> Maybe it's just because sometimes I'm a bit cynical, but like when you, there's nothing revolutionary in writing. I know I want to be adored. Well, that wasn't a good one. Okay, Michael, let's talk. <laughs> now, I thought- no, no, let me, let me just say, this is so stupid. This, I believe in you and me. You're picking no. on this terrible lyrics. No. <laughs> Bad examples. Those are filler lyrics. Like, yeah. He, see, <laughs> good songwriting has no filler lyrics. Each line progresses the song. This is shenanigans. All right, Michael. I will say in Brooklyn Fawn, it starts out talking about this fawn with like big sad eyes and a broken hoof. And I thought it was going to be a story of the fawn fixing its hoof. And it was not. <laughs> I was so that one wasn't my favorite lyrics wise. Do you know? Do you know the times I think of songwriting are when I plug in my iPod and I'm walking around listening to Map on PA, and then I hear something and I stop, take out my iPod, and look at the song to remember it. That's when I notice. And okay, you're totally gonna think this is like sappy girl land. Probably. <laughs> All right, hold your breath. Um, I really liked the line. I forget where it is. Oh, and in specs. How it gives my heart blood. I thought that was really clever. You're, you know what, Michael? It's just painful. It was painfully average the entire way through. Um, most of these songs I thought would be those songs that they play on like One Tree Hill. That's what I really I, got away with it. I did Actually, write like on an OC yeah, soundtrack, and then I it, found out exactly. she was on an OC. Soundtrack. It makes sense, no? Because he writes to those the, those bros that are trying to impress the girls. And uh, all right, what? Okay, let's let's try and think of this from our personal music perspectives. So, what do you think makes a good album? Uh, it's a set of songs that do small things. That pro- I don't know. That's really hard to say. You have I mean, to give me some time to think about that. It. I just put you on the spot. DJ you did. Ones. You did. You put me on the spot. Turn uh, the questions around. A, a good <laughs> album, in my opinion, is one that does different things throughout that are each distinguishable by themselves. And when you listen to the album in its entirety, they flow into each other in a way that, that, that um, works. And when you listen to them, when, when you listen to the songs separately, they have their individual aspects that 
raise above and beyond the rest. You really have to give me more time to think no. about this. But I, there's a lot to Tweet a good it, album. There's a lot that makes an excellent album. And I, thankfully, I've listened to a lot of excellent albums this year. This is not one of them, though. I mean, there's definitely nothing distinguishable about it. No, it's definitely, it's totally passable. There's, there's a part that it did like wake me up. On uh, after Brooklyn and Fawn Ruins is so completely different. You're talking about song flow making a good album, and that's something that stood out as not flowing at all to each other. Oh, but that song's like a total single. Like you can just. Oh, hear I like that. I like the song, but the move from Brooklyn Fawn singing about my broken deer to like Whatever, upbeat catchy about. ruins. I mean. Is there anything positive you can say about this? Yeah, the slower songs were better than the faster songs. I disagree. I think the second half of the album was a lot better than the first half, um, with a, a couple of exceptions. Uh, the first song is probably the standout. It's called Starting, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Although, mm-hmm. I'm not a big fan of that because the lyrics are so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> They're so stupid. Thank DJ ones. Uh, it, I also compared it, I said, is if... Bonnie Vare played faster, which was one thing that See, I thought. I thought of, I was trying to think of Bonnie Vare. Like, there was one song that I was like, yeah, totally. But there were some other songs that really gave me a Matt Nathanson vibe. I don't know if anyone got that or if anyone else has ever listened to Matt Nathanson. It's, it's kind of like that, you know, like, uh, I don't know, acoustic bro type romance music. Um, I asked another girl. She said Matt Carney. If anyone's heard of him, she said he reminded her. Okay, bad example. Nope. <laughs> the beginning of Sparrow sounded like something to me, but I couldn't pick out what. Like one of those older songs. Mm-hmm. I I mean I what I wrote in in I guess comparison to DJ One's comment is like song after song. I was trying to like pick out my favorite song, like which is the one that I am gonna play on my show. And I really couldn't pick out a favorite. I guess it, it kind of gave me this feeling like, oh, man, that was good. I, I just kind of wanted a little bit more. Like, I just mm-hmm. wanted a, a little bit more of a push. But I felt that overall, I mean, it's, it's, you know, I definitely would not purchase this album for sure. Would not buy it. I, I mean, I don't think I would not play it on my show. I think there's some songs that have some really nice vibes to it. Like, vocally, he's very nice and rich, rich sounds. I mean, violins choruses and the harmonies were great especially in like um where's the one i really liked i liked running wild i liked how that one built built up michael just looks i i don't want to say i i know it sounds as if i think this album is complete garbage (laughs) that's not that's not necessarily the case i'm just more frustrated with the fact that we like this song not that not that but this this had so much potential and it didn't it didn't seem to capitalize on what it could have done as an album and that just drove me crazy and as track after track progressed i thought this is you know this is a decent piece of work although there's nothing here to distinguish it from anything else i've ever listened to that's fair i could say but you know there are people out there who would really love this album i yeah. there're definitely going to be sorority girls that love this album <laughs> i'll give you that <laughs> And they're going to be frat boys that play this album to sorority girls. But oh, I, I don't think Michael it's going to be much pledging, more than that. So. I'm not pledging. <laughs> I'm going to ruin your reputation on this <laughs> No, <laughs> I can just edit it in post. <laughs> I win. Well, okay. We can too. Yeah. <laughs> I, 
All right. Well, I do like the variety of instruments used because usually with that fratastic rock, you only get like acoustic a, guitar, like GCD chords and like a girly voice in a man. Yeah. But oh, that, yeah, that piano riff in Ruins was sick. Sorry, yeah. Go on with what you're saying. <laughs> and like they have violins and pianos and it, they have a wide variety of instruments and ways that they play those instruments. How many frat boys do you know that play violin, Michael? I don't know any frat boys. That's what I thought. Because you haven't pledged yet. <laughs> Not pledging. It's just, it's just this. I, I, I was hoping that this would be really good, but it didn't. It didn't seem to capitalize for me. Uh, I mean, I, I could see where you'd say, yeah, they do. They do incorporate a lot of different instruments, but I don't think they did anything special with those. I don't think they did anything that other bands haven't already done. Speaking of, I have good news and bad news. They've done some cover songs. Some of which include uh, My Chemical Romance's I'm Not Okay. Hmm. That's the good news. That's the good news? (laughs) (laughs) The bad news is they also covered a Neutral Milk Hotel song um, in the airplane over the sea. Was it good? Did you... so they're ruining they, they did a uh, champagne champagne supernova i think ah was. let's stop talking wait, about wait, wait, map wait, wait. on pa covers let's keep on <laughs> yeah to the album. it was and apparently other people have felt like you too because he's gone through 16 band members what they just i <laughs> i didn't know that personally wait, how many members are in the band right now i want to say like four to six ish they just got two like this year like between january and when they started touring Population control, Matt Pond, PA. <laughs> it's just, it's just they don't want to. I guess the band members just don't want. Oh no, I'm not even gonna say that. Just <laughs> mean, right. just mean. Maybe uh, it's just I'm frustrated. I'm, I'm very frustrated at the fact that this, this just didn't live up to what it could have lived up to. I, you know, I, I understand where you're coming from <laughs> in the taste of good music. I'm saying to you, there was a time in my life and every other middle school girl's life. Where Dashboard Confessional <laughs> was it, Michael? That was it. You liked him too. Don't <laughs> I did not hair. like Dashboard Confessional. <laughs> I certainly did not. Stop singing Dashboard Confessional. <laughs> but, but I'm telling you that this is definitely a step up from that, but that genre is like just about right on. And, you know, I, I, I'm not saying it's per se my taste or. Obviously not DJ One's taste, but there. I don't think this is the worst scum of earth I've ever. Heard. I I don't think it's the worst scum of earth, of earth either. It's just maybe being a music director has really kind of jaded me in a way because I have to listen to so much mediocre music all the time, and when this comes along, has a lot of I don't want to say it has a lot of hype behind it, but has a pretty big name behind it. And fails to deliver. That's just disappointing. That's just it's it's frustrating. Well, have you heard I his other albums? Times. I mean, no, I haven't. I haven't either. But I mean, I'm assuming someone who's been writing music and making music since 1998, uh, there would be a reason for that. A lot of his music though hasn't been like full length albums. A lot of it's been singles or EPs. OC songs. OC songs. <laughs> Covers of My Chemical Romance. So it's. He's not as established as a full length, let's put it together uniformly and have a story to give our audience kind of artists. You know, maybe something good will come out of this. One. He, he could have a total transformation. I, I hope so. Although I or really don't know really how could he could get laid at prom. Yeah. He, oh, he could totally yeah. get laid at prom. So Definitely. Maybe after senior prom. <laughs> this 
last album, Junior Problem. All right, so would you guys say that you have a, a standout track that you really liked all among all the other tracks? If you could recommend one, since since I don't think there have been really any outstanding recommendations to to go out and buy this, <laughs> is there one track that you would that you would say give this a listen to? I would say Ruins. I, I think that would make a really solid single for the album. It might mislead everyone because it's totally different. It's it's got a much darker, rougher sound to it. It's pretty distinguishable. So it might mislead purchasers. I think. Though that's the best song on the album. And then I would say something more true to the rest of the album would be Starting. I think that first track. Sarah? I like Starting and Ruins and number nine. Number nine. Number nine. I believe <laughs> that's my favorite too, if I'm not mistaken. Favorite yeah. song in the entire album, The Dark Leaves Theme. And I think that was aptly was. titled because uh, that was really the one that I thought if the album was closer to this, it could have been a little bit better. It's because it didn't seem as pretentious as all the other tracks. Pret- wait, wait, wait. There was one song where it had like the backup echoing vocals that I thought was really corny. I, oh, well, probably. I can't remember what it was. <laughs> but I, seriously, as soon as the songwriter writes the lyrics, I know I want to be adored. It's been plenty worse. And, yeah. And I believe in you and me. It just drives me nuts. You know what? Every seventh grade girl can relate to that. Yes, yeah, their Facebook status. <laughs> I'm. Uh, well, uh, well, maybe it's just me. I'm sorry. I'm not a seventh grade girl. It's gonna be the new Twilight. <laughs> but I think the people. Oh God! That, oh God! The people that go out and buy this album, uh, it. I don't know. This is gonna be for for Matt Pond PA fans. Uh, I don't know. Are you? Would you consider yourself a Matt Pond PA fan beforehand? How would you compare this to previous stuff? I've heard one of his songs called Basement Parties, and that was a very fun song, and I enjoyed it a lot. Was that the one you gave me on a CD? Yes. I, how did and it go? What did it sound like? It, it was like, it doesn't sound like this album. Because I remember the songs on that CD. They were all really good. Thanks, girl. Hmm. But I don't know. It's not what I was expecting, so I was disappointed in that, but I definitely don't not like it. I mean, it's hard to, like... You can always want music to be exactly what you listen to. See, I go in, I go in every album, zero expectations. That's how I approach every album that I that I've ever listened to or have to review or have to write anything on or talk about. I go in zero expectations, regardless of if I've listened to the band or not before. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that you're being. Biased or unbiased? I'm. Everybody's a little biased. Everybody's a little biased, but I don't. You know, I, I'm. Maybe, I, maybe it is really like a female male approach to this album. But you know, I'll be one to jump on an album and say this is a piece of crap. But I, I could listen to the whole album. There are a lot of albums I can't, I can't listen to that I could listen to a track or two that I'd be like, yeah, that was solid. But you know, it it depends on what your mood and everything. I don't know. Definitely. I. I I can't completely diss this. All right, let's get to some final thoughts on The Dark Leaves by Matt Pond, P.A. Sarah? I think it's a very easy-to-like album, and it's harder (laughs) for other people, such as DJ. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, it is nothing that you would define as experimental or exceptional. I think that this CD probably has a pretty solid audience and following. And that those people, whether they be seventh grade, heart 
watch stringing girls, they would enjoy it. I think there's an audience for this CD for sure. All right, and and as you could probably guess by now, this is you can you can go through listen to this album, but you're it's not necessary to do it again. Nothing here is by any means spectacular. Um, I I just thought everything was just completely average. There were a couple of songs that had a lot of potential, but ultimately didn't deliver for me. And I found that a bit disappointing, especially with uh, the fact that this guy has produced so much stuff before or made so much music before. So that's what, you know, that's what I thought at the end of the day. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> All right. And with that, we're going to wrap up this first, ooh, first. Yes. First episode. Come back. Of Sound Off. Again, I'm Michael Jones, also known as DJ Ones. You can listen to me Tuesdays, 11 to 1. Again, I have with me... Sarah Hager, a.k.a. Serenade. Check me out on the post-rock block, 6 to 8 on Sundays. And Kirsten Southwell, otherwise known as DJ Vice, on Mondays, 5 to 7. And starting out a little bit. I, I, I can't officially say I'm a co-host or anything, but I'm dabbling in Americana Show, Saturday mornings, 10 and 12. And if you would like to suggest us albums that we should be reviewing that are going to be, or news articles that you, you think we should cover. Or your you can, opinion. Or your opinion. If you have your opinion about the show, email us, soundoff at wknc.org. You can also follow us on Twitter. We are at WKNC, soundoff, all one big word. What do we, so we oh, haven't decided what we're reviewing we, next We haven't week. decided completely. Uh, it's Right now, it's probably going to be either Dr. Dog. Yes. Laura Marling or something else. I'm not sure. But follow follow us on Twitter. We'll post it as soon as we decide. Um, email us if you have suggestions. And uh, with that, we will leave you. We're going to sound off. Uh, <laughs> we will sound off. With that, we will sound off. Thanks for listening.